Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Locked On Bama podcast. I'm Luke Robinson. He's Jimmy Stein, as always. Jimmy, how are you today? Happy to be with you again. Locked On Bama, the number one ranked college football team in all of America. And the number one Alabama podcast in the Locked On Network. I just found that out today. Of all of the people that do a podcast, with one guy in Alexander City and one guy in South Alabama, we're number one. You can't find oh, yeah. another one that's better than this one. That We have a that. very unique set of demographics. We do. We do. And we're number one. Ready for a good stat? Ready for I this? am ready for a good stat, man. Ready for me yeah. to shock you? Yes, I'm I want to be shock shocked you. and awed. I want to be shocked and appalled. Can you do that? Yeah. Uh, this is going to more awe you than appall you. Okay. Okay. Hold on. I got to look at it. Hold on. Still looking. Got it. This is all right. This, uh, you 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 outdid yourself. I wanted to get it right. I wanted yes. to get it right. I hadn't committed it to memory. I wanted to get it right. So, would you say? Would you say? Because you're you're a follower of football. You know football, right? You know football. I do. American college or foot- regular? Okay. American college football. American college okay. football. The F's at the F. BS level football bowl subdivision. All right. Would you say that a kicker at the FBS level that is 17 out of 22 is pretty good? Not awesome, but pretty good, right? I'm going to need more information. I mean, if they're all 25 yarders, then no. If they if it's, <laughs> it's from from 60 in, yeah. That's all the information I got. Okay, let's say they're all 30 yarders, but but really they're not. Please tell I'm me there's saying, more to this statistic. <laughs> I would say 17 out of 22 is pretty good. It's not terrible. If you're a kicker in the SEC and you're 17 out of 22, you're probably not the best kicker in the league, but you're pretty good. I mean, only missing five of 22. That means well, you're well over 80%, right? Yes. I'm just saying Joseph Bullivis is 17 out of 22. And we act when he comes out there like he has less chance to make it than Paris Hilton. You know what I'm saying? I do. He's 17 I'll... of 22. That's not bad. I'm curious how many of those 22 he's hit the uprights on. Maybe all, maybe all 22. He, he's amazingly, that would have amazed me if you had said he's 23 out of 22 for hitting uprights. <laughs> well, if he's 22 out of 22 for hitting an upright and 17 of them went in. No, well, no, that's, it would be amazing. Like you're like, he's hit 23 uprights because he hits an upright every time. And one time he hit both uprights. <laughs> How has that not happened by the way? Cause you know, that's oh. coming. Oh, that's coming this weekend now. The, we just we just the double created it. it. We're going to manifest it. Yeah, well, the double doink is on its way. But no, what I'm did? just saying. I'm just saying this. But we're not great at kicking footballs. We're not great. It's it, it's a hole in the Saban dynasty post Lee Tiffin, who was by any measure fantastic after his freshman year. Uh, but Bullivus 
who's not even as good as our starting kicker, Will Reichard, apparently, Bulovis is 17 of 22. So at some point we have to just acknowledge that while this isn't a strength of the team, we sort of act like we're helpless. And 17 of 22 is pretty good. You know, that's not... If I was even telling you, Luke, he's 14 of 22, I'd be going, you know, that's not horrible. But 17 of 22 is pretty good. So 14 of 22 is not good, man. You, your standards no, are pretty not. low. Well, it's not good. <laughs> it's not good. But it's also, not, I mean, we're, we're going to trot out soon some stats of, hey, this is, quote, you know, the kicker from Eastern Michigan, and this is what his stats are. Now, that's bad. You know, but anyway, I'm just saying, I think if you asked Alabama fans if 17 out of 22 is pretty good, you'd get mostly, yeah, that's pretty good. Well, that's Bullis. He's not horrible. He's just pretty good. You know, I just, you talked about the weakness in the Saban dynasty, and it made me think about our kickers, the unguarded area of the Death Star for us. Did you ever see that Family Guy when they when they redid oh, yes. Star Wars? And, oh, um, I love it. Stewie it was brilliant. Stewie was Darth Vader, and brilliant. And he said, and he was like, "So we're we're unbeatable, right? And you know we're we're indestructible." And one guy said, "Well, there is this one little place in the back," and he said, "We should be able to fix it pretty quickly for a couple thousand dollars." And he and Stewie looked at him. He said, "Okay, I'll get some estimates." You know. <laughs> He's talking about the little um, because yeah. because you can barely you, it's it's barely the size of a womp rat of a womp rat yeah <laughs> which is um, exactly what Luke Skywalker said yeah you know when they were talking about what their plan was for blowing up the Death Star yeah that's and, right uh, it's no bigger than womp rats they used to shoot back home you know admit nobody ever talked about why didn't Peta get on Luke Skywalker's ass I mean a womp rat <laughs> is an animal too right I mean well, apparently anyway. Um, let's talk about some, let's talk about some of the other SEC games from this past weekend. We'll, we're going to get into Tennessee, uh, on tomorrow's, well, I don't even know what podcast, it'll be the third podcast of the week, whatever that is. Um, but this past week, uh, interesting game at LSU with Florida. Um, I thought LSU actually looked great and also looked incredibly beatable at the same time. Um, Joe Burrow is just, he really is. I, I mean, gosh, you, you wonder, is he, is he having as good a year as Tua? I guess he is. I guess statistically he definitely is in terms of yards. And I mean, his touchdowns are pretty close. Um, but it doesn't feel like he's as good a quarterback as Tua is, but it, it, he's pretty damn good. Oh, he's pretty damn good. What I can't wait, I don't want to fast forward and miss this whole college football season, but what I can't wait is I love uh, the draft. You know, we love the draft. I'm a, I'm a draft Nick or whatever they call the, the geeks that love the draft. I'm one of those people. And when the season's over and then you get the senior bowl and then you get the combines and then NFL Network has that path to the draft show where all they do is talk about the draft for an hour every day. I can't wait to see when Joe Burrow's game is dissected by those people. Cause that's literally what it is. It's when, when Burrow's game and his throws are dissected, I can't wait to see that. I, I can't wait to see if, if the NFL guys are saying, you know, when you break this all down, he's a product of their new system, or they're going to say, 
I don't care what their system is. Look at this throw. That's a Sunday throw. And I don't know. I don't know. I haven't seen enough myself. I'm I'm as curious as anyone to see, is, has Burrow been this guy all along? To me, it doesn't make sense because, you know, last year they played in an NFL pro-style system, and Burrow wasn't that good. Now they switch to a college spread, and now he's unstoppable. So my first reaction is that everyone in the NFL is overreacting. Like, wait a minute, he he played in the Sunday system last year and wasn't that great. You know, now, now he's in the spread thing, and now everybody thinks he's the next, you know, Russell Wilson. I, I, I would just like, whoa, slow down, and we need the dissection. But that said, to this point, Joe, who cares what kind of NFL prospect he is during a college football season? Because all that matters right now is how good of a college quarterback is he. And frankly, he's been totally fantastic. Yeah, I mean, he's just been – he has absolutely been on target too. I mean, with deep balls, with uh, the, the short passing game, I mean, he's really just been on – I mean, there's no question about it. Is that it, – no, not on par. He's just been on target. I don't know why I said on par. It's 8 o'clock at night, and I I, I, I mean, Jimmy will attest to this. We were going to do a podcast at 8.30, and I couldn't – or 7.30, and I couldn't get a hold of you. And you said, how about you finally texted me and said, how about 830 at about 750? And I said, that would be great. But I just took my sleeping pill three minutes ago and I've got about 48 seconds left of, of being awake. Um, a little bit of celebration and, you know, going over. Here. You know, the reason I mean, I hate to say this on the podcast. It sounds so so uh, like a terrible person to say this. But uh, we actually uh, me, me and me and the wife uh, bought a uh, condominium in Tuscaloosa two hours ago. So it's it's no, sort of did, been a bit did you of a, really yeah we did yeah so it's been a uh, where 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 is it uh well I don't want to say specifically because all of our fans of the podcast will be lined up and I'll be stalked <laughs> like a celebrity so I don't want to say specifically but it's near the state uh, we we have a view from our balcony the balcony of the condo has a view of Bryant Denny so oh man that is so cool would you get a good deal. Uh, well, I don't want to be too specific about that, but uh, we said yes. So, so as far as we're concerned, it wasn't that bad. Well, so, so d- does any do you ever does anybody ever say did you get a good deal and you go, oh no, I got completely hosed. <laughs> oh, I got so screwed. I can't believe well, I did this. Would you go ahead and buy this for me at a loss? I, I mean, I, it, it really helped me out of a jam. Yeah. Ex- well, I mean, we're 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 satisfied. We're, we're satisfied with how it went, and frankly, I never really. I mean, I assume this might be something that might happen in my future, but a couple of things lined up and uh, it was just a good time for it. And I've always wanted this in terms of uh, love being up there in Tuscaloosa and we travel there frequently and now there'll be all the more reason to go. And uh, yeah, we're excited. So yeah, that's that's why, that's why I was a little late getting on and whether I could do it or not, because uh, we decided that uh, you're supposed to celebrate this sort of thing. So we have. Well, at the risk of getting you John Lennon, um, I won't tell anybody where you are, uh, where you're living, but I'm going to tell you right now, if you have an extra parking pass, you have a podcast <laughs> partner that could re- really use a hookup. Well, people might find this interesting, this part of it. And since it's so close to the stadium, we have in, in, uh, in, in the, the place that we're moving, <laughs> the place that we bought, there are parking rules for the year, I mean, there's part, we, we get them. It's a part of the homeowners association. We get them as part of the HOA. There's parking rules that do not apply the week of games. I mean, oh it's specifically, God. okay. Like during the week of games, these are the rules during the yeah. other 
literal 45 weeks of the year, it's these rules. So that's pretty interesting for people that, so it's not like, hey, we bought a place so everybody we know could come park. As a matter of fact, our parking shrinks the week of the game, but but that's oh okay. It's still, it's still fair to people that live there. It's fair and it makes sense. I mean, you know, you can't have people spending that kind of money and then then get overrun you know, by just the general public. I mean, you oh, know, there's no so doubt. It, all, it all makes sense. But uh, yeah, the, the parking actually shrinks uh, the, the week of football games. But that's perfectly okay. We're, 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 we're excited to spend more time. And in the future, our locked on podcast, as it gets later in the week, we'll, I'll literally be in Tuscaloosa reporting on site during these. You'll be uh, locking in podcasts. from ground zero. I'll be locking out my, my, my goal now, as far as the podcast goes, when you call me and say, Hey, this is Jimmy Stein. I'll be saying, I am on a bench staring at Denny chimes. Yeah. I, I don't, don't, don't forest gump this podcast by doing a <laughs> podcast from a bench out in the middle of nowhere. Just, just go to the, go to your house, man. You bought this house. <laughs> that's true. That's true. I'm on, I'm hey, on the, what <laughs> yeah, that's true. I'll leave, I'll leave, I'll leave my balcony that overlooks Bryant Denny. And then I go to some place that does not look Bryant Denny and go, I couldn't believe this. I'm looking at Gorgas library. <laughs> um, well, here's the other thing. You could actually say that you were there and we're doing this. We're without visuals. So I bet everybody'd be like, well, I'm not taking him at his word. Uh, anyway, so Florida, <laughs> yeah. Florida looked okay too, um, but they still certainly have flaws in their game. And the mistake by Kyle Trask to, to throw that pick right at the, you know, when they were going back and forth, back and forth, and he threw the pick in the end zone to uh, Derek Stingley Jr., who, by the way, is just awesome. Um, that sort of sealed the deal. But, you know, Jimmy, I said it in the podcast we put out for Monday that I kind of want LSU to be undefeated. I, I just want to see this yeah. one versus two thing. And it's now that you have happen. this condo, I know where I'm staying. <laughs> whether whether you want it to happen or not, it's 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 gonna LSU is gonna beat Auburn, and LSU is going to arrive at the game of the century sequel undefeated. Alabama will be undefeated. It'll be, be a great game. Well, one one thing that'll be a little different. I think back in 2011, and we'll have to hit our Google buttons to make sure. But I think in 2011, when Alabama and LSU met undefeated and ranked one and two, it was just a given that these were the best two teams. I, I think if Ohio State and Oklahoma and Clemson, they're also undefeated on the same day, I'm not sure it's going to be so obvious that Alabama and LSU are one and two. That might detract a little bit from the buildup to this version, but I think it's coming, dude. I mean, it's coming. It, uh, Alabama, LSU, both 8-0, both in the national championship race. It's coming. The only difference is back then it was six to six at the end of regulation. This year it's more likely to be 46 to 46 at the end of regulation. Um, moving over to Georgia and South Carolina, let's all give a, a hearty guffaw to Kirby Smart at the moment because that was glorious. I mean, look, I, I'm, I have nothing against Georgia. There, there are a bunch of folks that aren't keen on Georgia and their fans, and we've had a little uh, minor rivalry with them. I mean, it's not much of a rivalry if they don't win much, but um, we have had a rivalry with them of late. 
and and certainly there's some recent history. But you know, I've never I, I've got some friends that are Georgia fans, and I'm fine with it. I mean, it just they don't it doesn't bug me. But I gotta say that I took great pleasure in South Carolina getting that victory, and I'm not sure why, but it it mm-hmm. was it it certainly was fun to watch that. Well, the Georgia fans like to say, and and you, it was hard. Are it you was drinking? Hard <laughs> oh, that. Uh, did you just take a big gulp of something? Is that one of, one of the dramatic pause, or are you just being dramatic? I have, yes, but not at that moment that you thought. If that makes sense. But yeah, well, I'm oh, you celebrating. Just we just bought, okay. A, okay. We just bought a, some real property in Tuscaloosa County. So yeah, but no, I'm not gulping right now. What I'm saying is this. Georgia fans have said since, I guess, 2016 that the programs are on equal footing, that Alabama and Georgia, you know, just one place states us, and, and they almost beat us, you know, in the, in the Tua National Championship game, and they almost beat us last year when Jalen uh, bailed us out. But here's the fact. Alabama lost to an unranked team in Saban's first year, and then it mm-hmm. has not happened again. Kirby lost to an unranked team two days ago. So it is very hard after Saturday to say that Alabama and Georgia are on equal footings. That is not to say that the two can't meet this December and Georgia could win. Uh, that, that, that could happen, sure. I'm just saying that the Georgia fans that have, for the last two or three seasons, have said they're the equal of Alabama. It's hard to say that after Saturday. Yeah, and I'm not sure. I'm not even sure what the streak is. Is it is it 86 games or 87 games or something? But it's not only that South Carolina lost to an unranked team and and an unranked conference team at that. I mean, I, I could almost see losing to an unranked non-conference team, even like on the level of a Southern Miss, like to get Brett Favre or something because you don't get up for that game. Georgia and South Carolina used to have a pretty heated rivalry before South Carolina even got in the league. Um, but to lose to South Carolina when South Carolina was on quarterback number three, three. Now it's not really it's not really fair to say that because by this time now now we know Helensky is the best quarterback they had on campus. And so this guy, well, I guess this guy still is number three because he certainly wasn't better than Jake Bentley was, and he had no no business throwing the football. You knew he wasn't gonna throw it at least very well. And um and Georgia still couldn't do it. And you know, it, boy, all of a sudden, how the narrative changes on the Bulldogs because it seemed like their offense was rather antiquated on Saturday. Like they were doing a lot of play action looking stuff. None of the, you know, fast paced RPO stuff that it, maybe Kirby hasn't adapted to how the how quickly the game is evolving. And you hate to put so much out there based on one game, but it sure looked that way. Well, Georgia's pass game did not work Saturday. It didn't work. You could say Fromm didn't have a good day. The receivers were off. There were there were. I mean, the play that decided the game. Fromm hits his receiver in in the hands, and, and the guy just you know, bumbles the ball around till uh till the South Carolina kid makes his third pick of the day. Uh, uh, but the pass game didn't work. And me and you have talked about this before, and it's something I've always insisted upon when you're a team that that lives on the completed pass is it's like the three-point shot in basketball. It's an exciting offense. It's fun to watch. It works when you recruit a bunch of guys that are really good at knocking down those threes 
and you can you can be 21 and two and be ranked number one in the country, and then you go on the road to some just half-ass decent team, and, and that night the shots don't fall. And when the shots don't fall, you can lose to anybody. And That's right. That to me is what happens when you're an offense that throws the ball. You're gonna if you're great at it, you're gonna win most every week. The fans will love it. ESPN Highlight Sports Center, they're gonna love it. But one Saturday, it ain't gonna work, and you'll lose to anybody. Now, Georgia's not a team like, like that. They don't throw the ball as much as Alabama. They don't throw the ball as much as LSU. They're a little more pro style, but the pass, the pass game was not working, and they lost the game because they could not complete enough passes. And South Carolina, ironically, you know, they, they, they have to play a quarterback at the end that, that they just didn't want to throw the ball. I, I would tell you this, Luke, I'm sure you agree watching that game. If Holinsky quarterbacks all four quarters, South Carolina probably wins the game by 10 or 14. They don't even get no, to I overtime. Totally I mean, agree. They, they, they became so one-dimensional – when DeCorey and uh, Joyner came in at quarterback, they became so one-dimensional. They became a lot easier to defend, even though Georgia's having the off day. But had Helensky been the quarterback the whole four quarters, that, that game's not close. And I'll tell you what, Florida is playing South Carolina this Saturday, and maybe South Carolina has a hard time, has a hangover effect, can't regroup to play well again. But Florida – Man, you're not great at scoring the football normally. Uh, Florida needs to be on upset alert this Saturday against a pretty hot football team because they're getting Holinsky back. So, well, not not only that, that you know, Florida's coming off a game against Auburn and at home that was very emotional, and then a game at Baton Rouge that was very emotional. Now they've got to play South Carolina. I think that game's at eleven o'clock, isn't it? Is the, is yeah, that game? Uh, is it eleven? Yeah, it is eleven o'clock. That it is an eleven a.m. game. Yeah, and they could be. I'm telling you that, that if South Carolina comes down from the clouds and they haven't been drunk all week and who could blame them if they are, but if they haven't been drunk all week, that, that game, that game has upset written all over. What a weird group of sec games. we talked about in our podcast yesterday, Luke, but so weird that if you lined up the sec one through 14, who's the best team, Alabama or LSU and all the way down to 14, clearly Vanderbilt after their, disgustingly pathetic loss to UNLV. That was horrible horrible Vanderbilt. So if you lined up the SEC from 1 to 14, this weekend, the top seven of the league plays the bottom seven of the league. It's it's just weird that it lined up like that. Oh, that is weird. Everyone in the top half of the league is playing someone in the bottom half. The only somewhat matchup of teams in the middle are Florida and South Carolina. But you'd have to say that Florida, roughly fourth or fifth in the SEC so far, no lower than sixth, playing South Carolina, who's arguably seventh, maybe more like eighth. But, heck, that's the closest one. That's the closest one. The CBS game, LSU and Mississippi State, Mississippi State is awful. And and this is a team I usually prop up every year. I talk about, boy, Mississippi State's got good athletes. Trust me, they're good on defense. Mississippi State's bad on defense. They're horrible on offense. They're they're just uh, they're terrible. And that's the SEC game of the week. A a dominating LSU team versus this is the worst Mississippi State team since before Dak Prescott showed up in Starkville. <laughs> 
That's oh, how there's bad no question this, about that. This is the worst Mississippi State team. And so what's that? And like, I guess Prescott was a senior in 15, 16, 17, oh, somewhere. Was it, 16. Was it 16? 15. I think yeah, it's 15. 15. I think it's 15. I think it was so, 15. So if Dak was a senior in 15, this is the worst they've been since 2013 at, 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 at best. So it's a bad Mississippi State team. And then playing LSU might be the best SEC game of the week. It's really weird that you have seven SEC matchups, best against worst. Well, that's what I was going to say. You said that it was, um, you know, such a weird week in the way it lined up like that. And I bet you CBS executives are like, you're telling us. <laughs> I mean, because they have yeah. got a flaming pile of bat guano to choose from this weekend. The best um, game is sex saying M.O. Miss. That's, that's, that's it bad is, against you, you, bad, but I have no idea who's going to win. Yeah, but you can't put that on if you're CBS. That's the no. thing. Like, that is impossible to try and so, sell to a television audience. But I'm just saying, uh-uh. there's there's the one game that I would tell you, A&M at Ole Miss, where I'm like, eh, I think A&M's going to win, but I wouldn't bet my life on it. Um, and then, of course, going to that Tennessee and um, that Mississippi State game, that was – boy, that was hard. That was like watching – a, a demolition derby. I mean, you just just people running into each other. You're not really sure what's happening. You, you're not even really sure how did somebody win. I mean, um, <laughs> how did somebody win? <laughs> and uh, it, Tennessee ended up getting the win. And I guess give them some credit. I, I don't know. I think it's more about Joe Moorhead really being in over his head than anything. He does not look with it. I, I'm. Uh, I should jump out of Georgia here real quickly and say that, you know, unlike LSU, I want I don't want to play Georgia in the SEC championship game when I'm saying I want LSU to be undefeated. Well, I don't want Georgia to be uh, the, the representative because Alabama will have just come off of playing at Jordan-Hare and we're going to need an easier game. But I guess we'll, – and so that parlays into the Mississippi State talk because we play LSU and we always have Mississippi State that week after – and when Mississippi State's good, it really makes yeah. for a tough time. I mean, but mm. this year, I, I don't think it's going to matter when we play them. Um, mm. But I would rather be playing them right now because they look like such a defeated, uh, just ripped apart team. In fact, there was an article in AL.com today about how um, Joe Moorhead's daughter came running up to him after the game in Tennessee just in tears saying, Dad, like, Mississippi State fans are coming at me saying you are just the worst there ever there's ever been here. Uh, you suck. I mean, I was like, what? they actually said the word "sucked" in the article. <laughs> well, you know, it was funny to me is you know, 11 a.m. here in the uh, the Stein household. You know, we watch game day, and uh, you know, it's it's loud. It's Florida LSU. The crowd's going nuts. We'll flip over in commercial, watch that Fox show that was airing from the Texas state fair, you know, and, and, and the Oklahoma, yeah. Texas crowds going nuts. And then 11 AM, we're going to watch Jalen play, you know, and it's Oklahoma versus Texas and the crowds 50, 50. And it, and particularly early in the game, it's so loud. And then after about two or three series, I flip to sec network. Cause I'm like, Hey, what's going on? Tennessee, Mississippi state. We flip up there games at Tennessee against Mississippi state. Both teams look horrible, and it's like the game is being played at a funeral. There's there's yeah. no noise. Even even the wife was like, "Is this the same sport?" I mean, it, it was it was 
it was loud <laughs> and college football at its best at the Texas State Fair. And then you flip over to SEC Network, there's no noise. There's two teams that keep fumbling the ball back to each other. <laughs> there's clearly no one on the field that could play in the other game we're watching on the other channel. <laughs> I mean, it, it was, really it was, was a, like – It was a dichotomy, man. It was the dichotomy. Like Tennessee, and, Tennessee and Mississippi State didn't understand the game they were playing. They were like – they'd get into halftime and, you know, Coach Moorhead and Coach uh, – what his name is for uh, – <laughs> I forgot his name for Tennessee. It's 8 o'clock. Help me out. What's his name? Coach uh, – he's our uh, defensive uh, coordinator forever. Jeremy. Jeremy Pruitt. I don't know why that slipped my mind. <laughs> but so Coach Pruitt and and Coach Moorhead get into halftime and they're like, guys, what are you doing out there? And they're like, Coach, I thought we were doing great. What do you mean? Do you, you guys like you never played football before? And they're like, oh my God, we were playing keep away. <laughs> <laughs> this is what it reminded me of. I, I go to a lot of uh, they're local to me. I love baseball. We always talk about how I love baseball. Luke, Luke doesn't like baseball at all. But once when baseball starts in February, college baseball, when it starts and the weather gets a little warm, I love going to watch my local uh, South Alabama Jaguars play baseball. There is a really good baseball program and there's good baseball going on. Right. And then you leave. By the way, they sell beer at Sunbelt games. They don't do it in SEC games, but they sell beer at Sunbelt games. So it's, it's mid-February. It's starting to get warm. You watch some good college baseball between innings. You go downstairs, down to the, the concession to get yourself a cold beer, and there's kids out there outside, kids whose parents are inside the stadium watching the game, and there's kids out there playing baseball with, like, wiffle ball bats and wiffle balls. And that's sort of what Saturday was like. I'm watching Texas and Oklahoma play, and, then you, and that's, like, the real deal. And then you turn, and now you're – between innings, going to get a beer, watching kids play wiffle ball outside the stadium. Like, that's what it kind of was like. It's like, wait a minute. They're not playing the same sport these other guys are. It looks kind of similar. But it really was like that. And, and really, I'm not making a statement about the football being played on the field. It was just the atmosphere, which was pitched and it's a championship thing going on at Texas, Oklahoma. You switch over to that at Tennessee, Mississippi State playing. It felt like there was a hundred people in the stands. Well, it's it's like going from. Uh, I don't even know if I could use this 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 analogy. It's like going from a well put together adult film starring some <laughs> really good looking actors and actresses to a, to a VHS tape you found of your neighbors. <laughs> and you're like, Oh my God, I have to erase this <laughs> for the good of humanity. It's, it's exactly, <laughs> it's exactly like that. It's exactly like that. Except I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Uh, okay, so let's really quickly, because we only got a few more minutes here, talk about Alabama and the NFL last week. Um, wasn't a whole uh, – there, there were some, some good moments. I know that Landon Collins had a big game for the Redskins. Poor, poor Kenyon Drake dropped a two-point conversion um, that would have won the game for Miami. Terrible. But, you know – The play call was awful. The play was terrible. It was, but and Jimmy, I think I think I think he was on the take. I think Miami was on the take. 
Because Dan Lebitard show today, they said, was he, were the Dolphins going for two or were they going for Tua? For Tua. <laughs> that is a great line. Because I did the same thing when I saw the play. I, I, I retweeted it on the Twitter and with the tanking for Tua hashtag because yeah, the play I mean, call was so bad. But ugh, that's fine. It looked like the Dolphins called up Mississippi State and said, what would be your two-point conversion play? <laughs> hey, but you know, you know, I've, for I've seen, I've seen a quick, a quick, somewhat serious rant. I've seen a few Alabama fans say, "Well, two is not going to go pro because he don't want to go play for that joke." Hey, wait a minute. Are yeah. you telling me that two is and his family are going to turn down fifty-four million dollars to live in Miami? It's one of the great places to play weather-wise. It's one of the great places to live. It's $54 million. You think he's going to, like, hold out and, and then hopefully next year be taken by Green Bay or Buffalo because they win? I mean, it's great weather. It's a historically good organization. They're going to build the whole thing around you. It's $54 million. And if Tua goes there and plays for four years and never wins a game, you know what he is going to win? $54 million. So Life. Yeah, <laughs> Tua's exactly. yeah, yeah, two coming out. And if he gets drafted by the Dolphins, they're not going to cry themselves to sleep over it. So, anyway. Well, and also, if you're going to go play for Miami, you better do it quickly before it sinks into the ocean like most people are predicting. But um, could happen. Let's see, Amari Cooper got hurt yesterday. I have him on my fantasy team, so his 1.3 points didn't hook me up very much. Oh, Julio had a decent game for uh, for Atlanta, but their kicker missed an extra point, which kept the game from going into overtime most likely. Um, gosh, who else out there? J- Derrick Henry had like 15 carries for about 30 yards against Denver's defense. They Sean Deon Hamilton Marietta. had a nice game for the Redskins. Sean Deon Hamilton had a pick. Yeah, that, that was good for him. Um so, yeah, I mean, again, just another week with a lot of big-time Bama names kicking butt out there. So, uh, certainly something good. But, Jimmy, I think we've got just a few more seconds here. So, why don't, why don't you just leave us with one of your patented Roll Tides? Well, Roll Tide, people. Been a big day here, and I didn't really intend to uh, go over the uh, personal business there. But, yeah, it's a little exciting, and it's Tuscaloosa-oriented. So, uh, future future locked-on Bamas, uh, one of us will be in – Tuscaloosa report reporting from a place that doesn't have a view of Brian Denny because I'm an idiot. Well, I think what we do, we can really parlay this into something else. We can do uh locked on to Jimmy Stein's liquid assets. <laughs> it's a long name. I'll work on the name, but there's going to be uh, some liquid assets in the refrigerator. I can promise you that. <laughs> All right, buddy. Roll tide. Roll tide. See y'all tomorrow.